Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. Psalm chapter 56, verse number 11. The psalmist says this, In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. Everybody say, I will. Notice notice the psalmist makes a decision right here. He says, I will not be afraid what man can do to me. What can man do to me? And then look at Psalm 34. Look at Psalm chapter 34, verse number 1. About halfway down it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Everybody say, I will. will. See, he's made a decision. He's made a decision of his will. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will not be afraid. I will bless the Lord at all times. Other places, the David, the psalmist said, My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. I will trust. Another place he says, I will call upon the Lord. Another place he says, I will sing unto the Lord. His will is involved in his spiritual journey. Okay, his will. Well, we just completed the first week of a brand new year. The first week of January 2017. It's been a good week for me. How many of you have had a great week? How many of you want to repeat this week? How many of you have wished you could go back to 2016? Raise your hand. How many wished you could go ahead and skip to 2018? Let's go ahead. It's been a great week for me. I turned a year older this past week. 59 years of age. I turned a year older. I met some new people. I made some new friends that I didn't have last year in 2016. I've already made some new friends in 2017. I've experienced my first snow of 2017. Talked to a pastor yesterday in Virginia Beach. He said, we have a foot on the ground. So I've experienced my first snow. Not much, but we got a little bit. I realized already the first week of 2017, I can't find my favorite leather jacket since we moved last year. And this was the year, this was the week I needed it. I said goodbye to a dear church member who went to heaven. We said goodbye to a good church member this week. I started reading two new books. Almost finished with one, halfway through the other. Already started reading two new books this first week. I prepared five messages and already preached six times this week. The first week of this year. I've counseled several families I've refereed three fights this already, the first year. I'm on a record-breaking pace. I talked to both my mom and dad this week, which does not happen weekly. And, And at their age, realizing there might come a day in the years to come that that will not happen. I received a text from my granddaughter, which has never happened before this week. 
Never had a granddaughter text me before. I was stunned speechless by some news that came my way. I thought over the years, I've been in this so long, I've heard everything. But this week I heard something that literally stunned me speechless. I laughed multiple times this week and I cried once. I answered two phone calls from Pastor Maury Davis at Cornerstone Church telling me how great his new leadership teaching is and how much I needed it. So I answered two of those phone calls this week. And I enjoyed the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in my prayer time several times this week. So 2017 is off to a great start. It's off to a great start and I'm thrilled about it. In fact, I've made up my mind and I declare with my mouth, 2017 will be the greatest year of my life. 2017 will be the greatest year of my life. Now you need to declare that same thing. Unless you're expecting different. You might just be expecting to survive. You might just be expecting to get through. I know, I've been there. But I've made up my mind, 2017 will be the greatest year of my life. Now I know you're probably thinking, well, he says that every year, and that's what pastors are supposed to say to get the people pumped up at the beginning of the year. But that's not the case with me. Because you see... 2017 will be different. Let me tell you why. In 1977, 40 years ago this year, 1977, I was 19 years of age. I had to make a decision for my life to follow God or go on to another career path. I left my, had to make a decision to leave my girlfriend, leave my friends, leave my family, leave my little home church, leave everything that I knew as a comfortable life and follow God and go to university and study the Bible. That university was 500 miles away from home. I'd never been there before in my life. I didn't know one single person there at that university. At the same time, all my friends were going off to college. The same college. Most of them came to MTSU. I had family members who told me I was crazy for going into the ministry. I would be poor my entire life, just like my grandfather. The closer the day came, the war raged within me. One moment I was going to be obedient and follow God, and the next moment I would stay home and find another career path that paid more money. I was 19, but it seemed like the weight of the world was on my shoulders in 1977. You see, no member of my family had ever gone to college, much less graduated from college. No other member of my family had ever left the hometown I believed I really loved that little blonde and I was going to have to leave her. And to be honest with you, I was a homeboy and I had never in 19 years spent more than five nights away from home. And now all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord is telling me to leave it all and go 500 miles to some place I didn't know where I was going and didn't know one single person. So on August the 17th, 1977, at 7 a.m., I pulled out of my driveway with my suitcase packed with my clothes, and I put it in the trunk of my little Datsun B210. Any of you know, remember when Nissan used to be called Datsun? I had a Datsun B210 Army Green, no air conditioning. I, uh, it was genuine imitation leather interior, otherwise known as vinyl. And for the first 100 miles, every few moments, with tears streaming down my face, I would say to myself, I will follow you, God, and I will be okay. 
1977. Tough year. Go forward a decade, 1987. I remember very little about 1987. That beautiful blonde had now become my wife. My son had just celebrated his one-year birthday, and I was pastoring a little church in all good Tennessee, a place no one knew existed right outside of Cookville. And it slipped in on me like a thief in the night, a spirit of depression of which I'd never experienced before. My grandmother died in a mental hospital. My aunt died a week after getting out of a mental hospital. And that spirit of depression got on me. For one solid year, I stayed in my house almost continually, tormented day and night by relentless, negative, evil, harassing thoughts. I thought I was losing my mind and going insane. Harassing, tormented thoughts permeated my mind like machine gun bullets. They never turned off for one solid year. As that year dragged on, I can remember thinking, if I can just make it to 1998, Maybe I'll survive. If I can just get out of this year. Fast forward. Ten years later. 1997. We had just moved into our thousand seat sanctuary in all good. We made it through 1987. And God had blessed us. And we just moved into a thousand seat sanctuary in all good. The largest church in the county. Biggest auditorium in the, in the whole county. The largest church, we paid it off in seven months after moving in. It was a $2.8 million building in 1997 that we paid off in seven months after moving in. We were riding high. But then a satanic flood of accusations, lies, and threats invaded our lives. A group of people formed together and had public meetings for one sole purpose. They said it publicly. We're going to run that preacher and his wife out of town. Weekly critical articles were written about me by other preachers in the area. Neighbors around our church wrote letters to the editors saying things about me that were false. They threatened my life. They threatened my family. They threatened my children. Telling us we need to get out of town. Fear tried to grip me like a vice lock around my head. Once again, sleep in 1997 escaped me for weeks and months. It was in 1997 that I realized this pattern was developing, that every 10 years, every 10 years, a satanic onslaught would try to come at me to thwart me from accomplishing what God had for my life. And all of 1997, I was thinking, if I can just make it to 1998, I can survive. Fast forward 10 years. 2007. I'm the youngest district superintendent in the history of the Assemblies of God. 45 years of age. The Tennessee district under our leadership was second in the nation in church planning. The only district that planted more churches than our district was was the Hispanic district. And those people plant more churches. Jesus can't even keep up with the churches they plant with. They, they, they plant them all the time. All right? You get, two, you get two Hispanics together and they got a church. And they, and they plant church. I was on college boards and boards of various large ministry agencies. A district that four years earlier was financially broke. In three years, I was able to accumulate over $2 million and have it in the coffers to be able to plant churches. 
My son was in college. My daughter was enjoying her high school experience, singing, dancing, and riding horses. My wife was more beautiful than ever. I was flying all over the world, teaching and preaching. I was riding high. It was great. Yet within a few months, in 2007, my good life was plunged into disarray by dishonest church leaders and disloyal team members on my staff. The last five months of 2007 were spent in total anguish as I prayed and fasted asking the Lord to forgive me for choosing the wrong people to walk with me and for allowing certain people to make decisions. On the first Saturday of December 2007, as I sat on my couch praying, I heard the Spirit of God say to me, I now release you from this assignment. So at the age of 50, I walked away from the ministry assignment that most people understand will secure your retirement forever. Walked away from all of it. 30 days later, I was parking cars for a church helps team for a pastor who once was my college pastor. That's the reason I love my parking lot attendants. This morning I pulled in in the cold before first service and our parking lot attendants was out there waving at people. I'm going to tell you, you get out there and wave at people in this kind of cold weather, you are a dedicated person. And I love our parking lot team. 1977, 1987, 1997, 2007. 2017. At various times this past year, 2016, especially after something good happened, it would seem like a distant voice would pierce my moment of satisfaction with this thought. You better enjoy it now because 2017 is coming. Can I be honest with you? There were several times during 2016 that I prayed and asked the Lord to hurry up and come back before 2017 gets here because it seems like every 10 years Satan unleashes all hell against my life. And it would have been just fine with me if Jesus would come back in 2016 so I wouldn't have to deal with it. Any of you ever prayed for God to come back to get you out of a mess? I have too. Maybe you're here today and have been dreading something. Maybe you're here today and been dreading something. Maybe you've experienced or seen a pattern of attack or disappointment in your life. And though you have moments of great joy, thrill and expectancy, their way back in the distant recesses is the thought. Don't get your hopes built up because you know what happens when you do. Don't get your hopes built up. Yeah, yeah, that's good right now. But don't, don't you keep, get to expect this. You know what happens every time you get your hopes built up. Or maybe the past few years have been such a struggle for you that your hopes are not high and your greatest desire at this point is simply survival. You're just trying to survive year after year. Recently, I was sitting by a young, or standing by a young couple and an elder gentleman said to him, I overheard him talking to him. He says, now are y'all married? And they said, yes, we're married. He said, do you have any children? They said, no, we don't. We just got married last year. We, we, we don't have any children yet. And I heard him say, good. Don't have any children. You don't want to bring up children in this old terrible world. It's only going to get worse. Maybe you've said that. 
You know what I've discovered? One of the unfortunate things that I've seen is Satan successfully accomplishing in the lives of Christians is the theft of expectancy of better days and good things. For some reason, we Christians have forgotten to expect good things. Satan has just stolen it out. Well, the world's getting terrible. It's a terrible place to live. You don't want to bring any children up in this old world. It's not getting any better. Better get prepared. Bad days are coming. We've heard this over the last election cycle. Our nation is divided. There's going to be a revolution. Never know where terrorists will attack next. Can't go anywhere and be safe. What has happened to the people of God? Have we forgotten how good and powerful our God is? Have we lost our expectancy of better things? Is the thing we're looking for, are we so carnal? Have we become so carnal that the things now we're looking for is just a job promotion and maybe get a raise and maybe Social Security don't go broke and maybe our health insurance will be okay? Is that the limit of our expectancy? What kind of God do you think we serve? What's happened to the people of God? Listen to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to put you in remembrance of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 in the New Living Translation. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Look what he says in the New International Version. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. Listen to the New King James Version. He says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Has Satan effectively stolen your expectancy of good days and better things? Do we not realize it's impossible for us to create a concept of, of what God is like that, in, that is greater than He really is. Do you realize in your fatherest imagination you can't think of God better than He really is. He is either greater, He is either greater than we can understand, perceive, describe or imagine, or He's not God, we are. Did you hear me? He's either greater than you can imagine. He's greater than your vocabulary can declare. He's greater than you can ever perceive. He's either greater than all of that, or He's not God, we are. Do you realize it's impossible to exaggerate God's goodness? You can't exaggerate. We can twist it, we can pervert it, we can dilute it, we can misrepresent it, but you cannot exaggerate the goodness of God. We must remember that our God is able and desires to do immeasurably more, infinitely more, exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Do you hear me? He's, he's, he desires to do it for us. He wants to do infinitely more, immeasurably more, abundantly above all you can ever imagine. I mean, on your best day, when your mind's alert 
and you're thinking about a dream that you think is totally impossible forever to come to pass in your life, God is able and desires to do immeasurably more than you can think about. We can't exaggerate the goodness of God. All we can do is stop expecting Him to do it. God's commitment to us is to function beyond the limitations of our imagination and perform the unthinkable on our behalf. Do you hear me? God's commitment to us, His commitment to you. You say, I I just don't know if I'm going to get through. What's happened to you? Where did you get off track? Look, God's commitment to us is to function beyond the limitations of our imagination. I mean, you think of the greatest thing that can happen for you, God wants to do more than that. And perform the unthinkable on our behalf. But expectancy for better begins with your will. It begins with your will. Look at Psalm 34, 1 again. Notice what he says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Notice those first two words, I will. Everybody say, I will. will. Notice David said, I will bless the Lord. Notice he didn't say, if everything's going great, if the calendar's looking good, if there's plenty of money in the bank, if everybody's treating me well, if I check my body and my heart's beating on time, everything's going good, my blood pressure's good, my sugar is where it needs to be, if my children are acting right, if my wife is still looking good, then I will bless the Lord. No, no, his, his blessing the Lord had nothing to do with the circumstances of his life. It had only to do with the decision of his will. I will bless the Lord. This morning, your life can be in total disarray. My life can be in total disarray, but I can make my mind up. I'm going to bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Look at Psalm 13, verse 6. I will sing to the Lord because He is good to me. I will. Notice it's His will that's involved. Look at Psalm 31. I will exalt you, Lord. For you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. I will. Everybody say, I will. I will. I will will exalt the Lord. Psalm 71, verse 16. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. I will. It's a decision of His will. Psalm 118, verse 17. Listen to this one. I will not die. I will live to tell what the Lord has done. I will not die. Well, you never know what's going to happen to you. No, 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 no. Have you forgot the goodness of God? Your will's involved with this. That's where your faith gets extended. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done for me. Notice the psalmist makes these wonderful declarations based on a decision of his will and not his circumstances in life. Many of us have become slaves of circumstances and emotions because we won't make a decision to rise above the things that are trying to ruin our life. An addiction or a family member that keeps stealing our joy or a situation at work that keeps harassing us. 
And we live our whole life based upon emotion and circumstances. Up and down, in and out. Defeat, most of the time, victory with glimpses. Instead of saying, I will. I declare to live in victory every day of my life. I want you to know, 1977 was difficult for me. 1987, I thought I was going to die. 1997, I lived in sheer hell. 2007, I thought my ministry was over. 2017 will be the greatest year of my life. I declare it. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Now you see, the human soul, the human soul is composed of three parts. The intellect, the emotions, and your will. Do you realize you are three parts? You are a spirit. You possess a soul. And you live in a body. The real you is not your body. Thank God. This five foot seven and eleven twelfths. I mean five, this five foot six and eleven twelfths. I've got on my driver's license five foot seven. I tell everybody when they're high tall, you had five foot seven. And I went had to go for a, a physical here this past year, and I said I'm five foot seven. She says, "Get on the, get up there." I stood on my tiptoes. I put Manda shoes on, my shoes on. She says, "You're five foot six on a good day." I said, "There's something wrong with your measure." How many of you know their measures are, are something's wrong, and their scales always weigh too heavy? How many know what I'm talking? About? You better believe it. Them doctors, I'm, they, they, they put weights on the bottom of those scales just to, to have you come back again. It's a conspiracy. It's a doctor conspiracy. What you see is not the real me. I'm, on the inside, I'm six foot two, 180 pounds. I'm a cross between Brad Pitt and Tom Selleck. That's what I look like. That's what I look like on the inside. Can't you see it? Don't, you, don't that resemble you? Uh, yeah, see, see, you see that. You see that. Somebody said, who's Tom Selleck? I'm a cross between Brad Pitt and Matthew McConaughey. And to prove it, I'm going out to buy a Lincoln Continental. <laughs> Amanda got me some Sauvage cologne the other day. Amanda got me some Sauvage cologne. Somebody came up to me, some lady came up to me in the store. She passed by me, and I didn't know who she was. She came back, she said, sir, I don't want to embarrass you, but what is that cologne you're wearing? I said, well, I always say that. I said, my wife, you know, because I know I'm such a chick magnet. I said, I, I, I said, I said my, wife, my wife got me this Sauvage cologne. She said, is that the one with Johnny Depp's picture on there? I said, no, that's the one with my picture on there. That's my picture. See, The real you is the person on the inside. It's not the person on the outside. The person on the outside that most of us don't like this body anyway, it's going to go away. It cannot exist or live in the new heaven. In fact, one of these days, I'm going to leave this land of the dying and I'm going to the land of the living. And my old body that has to die can't go there. And I'm really thrilled about that. 
I don't want to spend eternity with this body. How many of you really are excited that you don't have to spend eternity with the body you got? You know what I'm talking about. We're three parts. We are a spirit. The person on the inside is the real you. That's the one that's born again that's going to live forever. You possess a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. And you live in a body. And unfortunately, many of us have become slaves to our emotions and to our circumstances because we don't have strength of soul. The primary function of the human soul is your will. The primary function of the human soul is your will. According to the Bible, the strength of the soul is the will. Your strength is not found in your emotions. They go up and down a dozen times a day. Your strength is not found in your intellect. Your strength of soul is found in your will. That's the reason America is full of people who might not be geniuses when it comes to intellect, but they've become very successful in life because they have a strong will. I will accomplish this. That's the strength of your soul. Your, your soul is your will. Jesus teaches this to us. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 in the New Testament. Jesus is traveling through the city of Samaria with his disciples. They stop at a well that's called Jacob's well outside the city about midday. The disciples of Jesus, they go into the city to buy some food because they've been traveling a while and they're hungry and they need physical strength. While they're gone, a woman comes to the well to draw water. Jesus enters into this conversation with this lady. And during the, while Jesus is talking to her, all of a sudden the t- disciples return from the city with the food for Jesus to eat. And they offer Jesus this food. But verse number 32 says, But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Verse 33, the disciples said, Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other, verse 34, Then Jesus explained, My nourishment, my food, one translation says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing His work. Now listen, Jesus made an incredible statement here. He he tells them that doing God's will gave Him physical strength. You know, I've I've noticed this. People all the time talk about needing a sabbatical. I understand that. People are talking about, I'm burnt out. I understand that. You know, people who get burnt out are people who are running in their will, not God's will. Jesus said, if you run in the will of God, you will always have strength. Isn't that what he said? He said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Of God. Setting your will. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, listen to this. Setting your will to do God's will gives you a tremendous strength of soul. Setting your will to do God's will gives you a tremendous strength of soul. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 real quickly. Notice what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. And you can stop right there. Let them have dominion. When God created mankind, He made us to have dominion. 
We cannot exercise dominion without the action of my will. God never intended for you to be a slave of circumstances or external forces. He never intended for you to be a slave to alcohol. He never intended you to be a slave to to fear. He never intended you to be a slave to methamphetamine. He never intended you to be a slave to painkiller. He never intended for you to be a slave to jealousy or, or, or a slave to some type of sexual perversion. He doesn't expect you to be a slave or created you to be a slave to anything. He created us to have dominion. 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 God never intended for you to be a slave to demons. Oppression. Depression. Many Christians are beaten and defeated today because they haven't realized the importance of strengthening strengthening their will over circumstances and demon forces. Yes, 1977, 1987, 1997, 2007 were tough years for me. And yes, there is a pattern of war in my life every decade. I see it. But the truth is, Satan hasn't beat me yet, and he's not going to beat me this year. In fact, 2017 will be the greatest year of my life. And it can be yours. But it begins with your will. I expect this year to be good. Satan says, here it comes. He gets on my shoulder. At night, here it comes. I can't tell you how many times in December of this last month, December, I'd wake up out of a dead sleep. First thought hit me, 24 more days, and it starts. Three more weeks, all hell's going to break loose. Two more weeks, 13 more days, and your year of hell begins. It's been 10 years, you've had a reprieve. Here it comes. How many of you know what it's like to dread something? How many of you know what it's like to have Satan to get on your shoulder and tell you it's never going to get any better? It's never going to get any better. This is the way it is, just simply get by. And it's at that moment that you and I must stop and say, I declare, I will be blessed of the Lord. It's at that moment that our will, the strength of our soul, which is our will, must rise up and take hold of the promise of God and believe that regardless of circumstances or emotions that are assailing our minds and our lives at that moment. So I've made very three very simple declarations for my 2017. Very simple ones. I encourage you to write down some declarations. What you are going to do what you will do, what your soul is saying, your strength of your soul is saying, I will accomplish this in 2017. And here are mine. Number one, I will be thankful for where I am and what I have in 2017. It might not be where I want to be and it might not be having everything I want to have, but bless God, I'm going to be thankful in 2017 for where I am and what I have. It will not come out of my mouth. My regret, my discontent, my dissatisfaction. I am thankful for where I'm at and I am thankful for what I have in 2017. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18, In everything give thanks. In everything. He didn't say for everything. He said in everything. 
Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, when we set our will to do His will, He gives us strength of soul. His will is my nourishment. It's strength to me. And He says in everything give thanks. So tomorrow, don't matter what comes, I'm going to be thankful for where I'm at and what I have. Some of you, some of us for years have lived in defeat, wanting something else other than where we are. Wanting to be somewhere else other than where we are. Wanting to have something else other than what we have. And we're not thankful for what we have. And it's hindering the faith and the anointing and the grace upon our life. If we can't be thankful for where we are and what we have, we can never expect God, the goodness of God, to take us anything else. So in 2017, I'm thankful for where I'm at and I'm thankful for what I have. Number two, in 2017, I will live in forgiveness. I will live in forgiveness. You don't get in an assignment like this and be at the places we've been and hold the positions we've held without people trying to knock you off, without people trying to bring you down, without people trying to talk about you all the time. It happens every week. Somebody, I'm a target for some type of criticism some type of slander. And I just choose in 2017, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to hold on. Unfor- I might whoop you, but then when after, you, when after I black your eye and pull you back up, I love you like Jesus. I'm not going to walk in unforgiveness in 2017. I'm not going to let what happened 20 years ago or what happened 10 years ago ruin and poison my this year. I'm not going to allow it to happen. Unforgiveness is a poison that eats away worse than any dreaded disease. Unforgiveness is a trap that holds us captive, rendering us unable to access God's grace and power. I will walk in, unfor- I will walk in forgiveness in 2017. I will not hold a grudge. I will not hold a grudge toward family members. I will not hold a grudge toward other people that entered my life and done me wrong. I refuse to do it in 2017. I will walk in forgiveness. And finally, I will seek God's kingdom first. I will seek first God's kingdom, God's plan, and God's purpose in 2017. I will seek His kingdom first. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said this, verse 31. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Don't worry about what to wear, ladies. Pastor Eddie's got the lizard thicket. That takes care of what you need to wear. (laughs) For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, what you eat, what you wear, all the things you need, they'll be added to you. See, we get this thing confused. We got this thing that if we, if we put God first, then we're not going to be able to take care of ourselves. But God says, if you'll put me first, I promise you these other things will just come to you. They'll come to you. You'll be blessed. The kingdom of God says this. The world's kingdom says, save your life. The kingdom of God says, lose your life. The world says, give. God says, the world says, keep. God says, give. I'm going to seek His kingdom first. I'm not going to seek my kingdom first. In 2017, 2017, I will walk in forgiveness.
in 2017. In 2017, I will be thankful for where I'm at and what I have. And in 2017, I'm going to put God first in everything in my life. I'm going to put him first in my marriage. I'm going to put him first in my career. I'm going to put him first in my family. I'm going to put him first in my finances. I'm going to put him first in my work. I'm going to put him first in my play. I'm going to put him first in my hobbies. I'm going to put him first in my friends. I'm going to put God first in my life in 2017. And in 2017, it will be the greatest year of my life. Because he wants to do immeasurably more abundantly more than I can ever imagine or think. And I'm getting myself ready to receive it in 2017. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.